Hi everyone, I hope you're really well this week. Welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me, your host, Zoe Blasky, where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. My mission with this podcast is to help you reconnect to you, to feel happier, more joyful, calmer and more alive, whatever that looks like for you. So maybe this podcast is going to inspire you to look at your health and self-care. Maybe it's thinking about your career and making work work for you. Maybe it's looking at your relationships or your relationship with yourself and finally addressing that inner critic and making a commitment to being kinder to yourself. So I chat to all sorts of well-being experts and game changers to help you become your healthiest, happiest and most alive version of you because that is what I think is the most inspiring thing to become for our children. So on to this week's episode. It is with the lovely Izzy Judd, who I know many of you will already know and love. She is a mum of two, two, Lola and Kit, and she's written a best-selling book called Dare to Dream, which was all about her fertility struggles. And Izzy has been a real champion and has been incredibly open talking about her and her husband's Harry's struggles with conceiving their first child. So Izzy and I chat about fertility. We talk about how that experience changed her and how she has used it for good as a positive force in the world. I feel I have a responsibility to tell the truth and to say what's happened because nobody else seems to be saying Mm. that they're having difficulties. You know, I remember thinking I'm 30 and being embarrassed to go to a fertility clinic. We talk about the challenges that she's facing today, parenting to little children and how she's using mindfulness to support her mental health. The biggest key for me when you talk about what does my mindfulness practice look like, it is getting myself back to the moment that I'm in right now. And right now I'm safe, all is well, and I have to trust that moment. So I hope you really enjoy the episode. If you did, as usual, please rate, review and share. Here it is. So Izzy, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. So Izzy and I have been emailing for a few months trying to find a date and then you had to cancel and I had to cancel and we've just ping-ponged it's so lovely that you're here now oh, thank you. and we first met didn't we at L Wright's sort of book launch it wasn't her official book launch yeah. was it with Emma Cannon exactly which was so lovely wasn't it so lovely so we all sat in a circle and sent messages oh, yes and it was really beautiful it was it was so intimate and it's amazing how you can have a group of pretty much people that are basically strangers you know don't know each other suddenly have this moment all together it was really magical wasn't it I just find that like when we're given permission to take our masks off a bit yeah you can connect with strangers some ways that you haven't connected with friends for years because you just come from the heart yeah that's what I felt about that afternoon it was lovely so how are you doing good yeah I'm good life is busy as you know we just had to say goodbye to one of our Fair Mamie's Murphy, who passed away. So it's been a bit of a quieter house recently. Because Murphy was such an integral part to your whole journey. Yes, yeah. I mean, I got Murphy, so 11 years ago, when I was going through a really bad patch with anxiety Mm. and actually 
to a point where leaving the house was becoming a struggle. And so Harry was like, well, why don't we get a cat? You know, it's good therapy. And so I did this kind of search online about matching the right kind of breed to your personality. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen um, those. Ragdoll came up, which was Murphy. And so I went to Murphy, you know, to choose his kitten, and Murphy was the kitten. And he just had this extraordinary intuition. And, you know, I really feel he was sent to me for a reason at a time. Definitely. So it's been more than just a loss. There's been so many things that I've been through with that cat, so it's been a bit sad. Do you feel like him passing now is like opening a new phase of your life? Yeah, I think... I mean, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because I was looking back over photos of Murphy, because the day I had to put him to sleep, Harry was working in the show. He's dancing in the West End at the moment. I still find that (laughs) funny, the fact that he's dancing when he's like a drummer, but anyway. And so in the evenings, once I put the children to bed, I'd always get Murphy, we'd have our time on the sofa. Suddenly that Sunday night was really quite lonely. So I started to look through all the photos and all the photos kind of went through a symbol of time in my life and change and everything we'd gone through and, you know, particularly around struggles for a family. You know, I've got a photo of Murphy literally with me through my miscarriage. He was there in my pregnancies when I was terrified about miscarrying. He was always by my tummy. He's been with Harry and I through most of our relationships, through different houses. And then since having the children, he'd sleep outside their bedroom doors. Oh, no, I read that you'd put that on Instagram. So sweet. He just knew. And actually, the morning I knew he was really poorly, I couldn't find him. And he'd hidden under Lola's bed. They do that, don't they? Yeah. And I just, I don't know, I'm probably all a bit wacky like that, but it was almost his way. For me, it was like, you know, you have your children and here's Lola and she's safe and it's my time to... Oh, to I'm go. sure that's yeah. what it was about. I'm yeah. the same. I always think there's a deeper meaning to be found in, yeah. in these things. Yes. Yeah, I'm all for the deep. <laughs> you always go very deep, yeah. <laughs> my husband always says that. Yeah. It's like, you always, everything doesn't have a meaning. I'm like, it does. It does. <laughs> everything happens for a reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I guess you're really well known for lots of different reasons, but in the motherhood world, you're really well known for your amazing work that you've done around fertility and continue to do, despite now having got your two beautiful mm. children. And that's quite rare and unique, I think, that you want to keep this conversation going. So can we talk a bit about your journey, how it started and how that's weaved into how you are today and the things that you've learned along the way? I think would be really interesting for people to hear. Yeah, so obviously Harry and I got married and the next step was to start Did you always know you wanted to be a mum? I always knew, yeah. I've grown up, I'm one of four. You know, being a mum was always what my career ambition was, to have a family. And I just never expected that not to happen. I just assumed, you know, Harry and I, young, fit. There's a naivety in it as well. I was the same. Like, I mean, I had a different experience. I did get pregnant first time quite easily, but I was so naive that Um, it might not happen that way. Absolutely. And, And I think when you do suddenly find yourself faced with a reality that it might not happen 
the things you're going through as a person defining who you are what if I don't become a mum then what and that was the biggest fear for me that was the biggest what if this doesn't happen and we went through various different fertility treatments and like Clomid and things to try and get pregnant and I did very much rush into right we need to fix this because it was the first time wasn't it that you see so you got pregnant quite quickly but then I want to make sure I say this right you miscarried didn't you your first so baby I didn't get pregnant quickly naturally okay so it was about I'm just trying to think how long it must have been a good few years before we decided to have IVF and it was from the first round of IVF that I miscarried okay which was utterly devastating because I can't imagine you know we miscarried at seven weeks and three days or but I had gone through so much to that moment and you know for anybody the minute that you see a positive pregnancy test in your head you're already a mum and you're projecting to all the things from thinking about the nursery right through to names to I don't know. Yeah, you just just, just, just excited about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And so it was utterly devastating. And I just remember thinking, like, how is that fair? You know, gone through all this. And, you know, as you were saying earlier, the kind of naivety, you know, Harry really felt that, that he didn't even think that that might happen and that miscarriage was even... You know, it, it, that naivety of, well, we've had IVF, so therefore, you know... I think you always think it's not... Like, I've had two miscarriages, one in August last year and one in December. And even though I knew the stats, I just thought it wouldn't happen to me, which sounds so silly, saying that out loud. But I just... It really shook me. Have your miscarriages happened since... Yeah. Yeah. So I had Jessie really easily, like, pregnant first time. So I just assumed. Yeah. I think it's that assumption and the expectations that it would happen again the second time. Yeah. And then... And all those questions when you think, you know, my body's done it. Yeah. You know, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. I I, I haven't really thought that way yet. I think because I have Jessie, Mm. it's very different. I cannot imagine if I hadn't had a child yet, having had these two miscarriages. I think because I've got her to bring me back to my motherhood role. And, you know, I think the first one, I was like, okay, this is pretty common. Yeah. And then the second one, I was like, okay, I wonder what's, you know, going on here. Yeah. And I haven't gone down the medical route or anything yet. Yeah. I'm just going to see what happens. I think from what you're saying there, though, as well, it's, because of the online community and the fact that the conversations are happening, I think that is so positive because it makes you realise that actually you're really not alone. Yeah, well, the work that you you and many others are doing, for sure. I've realised how common it is. I've realised that sometimes recurrent miscarriages just happen. It doesn't mean there's anything quote-unquote wrong. Yeah. Um, Sometimes these things just... They do, but I think the impact of miscarriage is still a grief and it's still a loss. And I think, you know, that was something I really underestimated. How was that grieving period for you? I still think about, you know, that Mm. pregnancy. It was your first baby, wasn't it? Yeah, and, you know, I still have um, moments where I wonder. And because they were all from the same kind of IVF batch, you know, Lola... Kit, I conceived naturally, but there were three frozen embryos. So one I miscarried, one was Lola, and then one that's in the freezer. (laughs) That I actually went to see 
where they're kept, which was oh, that's amazing. Because so, I just, great idea. Well, I just wanted in my head. I sort of visualised like a wall of freezers, like. But actually, I never thought about it. It's like a round cylinder, and obviously there's all sorts of locks and codes and keys and yeah, yeah. They kind of lifted off the lid, and all this kind of dry ice came out. And then they pulled out the tube. And it just said Judd and the number on it. And it was obviously surrounded by other people's embryos. And that moment, I was like, should we just put it back now? Should we just, shall I just put it back? You know, it was that feeling of, you know, it's part of myself yeah. and Harry and it's there. But it was nice to see where frozen embryos are kept. And That's such a beautiful thing to do. Yeah, it was lovely. And so I suppose I sort of think of Lola as one of three Mm. and so went on to conceive kit naturally and so we still have one frozen embryo you know I find it difficult to sort of think what will we do because that could have been Lola that they have picked that day so yeah because I've never been through this process obviously preparing for this I've you know done a bit of research but because I've never gone through that I just haven't thought about things like that Mm. that's such a huge question like what do you do with that yeah embryo yeah oh I know and there are some you know I've got friends who have three or four you know if you're lucky enough to have had a very good cycle a very good round and it's a big question and you know the clinics they send you a letter at the end of each year asking you what you want to do do you want to I mean mine it says allowed to perish which just seems <laughs> awful gosh that word you know you want to continue storage or research or, you know, right, yeah. there are, or donate, there's options. But yeah, it is a big, big question. And, mm. and what do you do? Mm. Mm. Gosh, it's just the things that you, you just never thought about. I think there's a lot with IVF that people don't realise. And I think that's why I felt really strongly about sort of sharing our well, I think story. that's why what you've done is so powerful because you're in the public eye, you know, and I remember you, you talked about that, about why you made this decision to mm. go public with it. And I was really moved with what you said about how triggering you'd found it when you read another announcement. And you yeah. wanted people to know the journey that you'd been on yeah. together. A hundred percent. Because we had our wedding in Hello and sort of it becomes like family, you know, because they celebrate all your milestones with you. And so when it came to the pregnancy announcement, obviously I had gone through all we've been through and suffered a miscarriage and had IVF and you know I just said to Harry first of all I felt really uncomfortable announcing anything at all because how were you feeling emotionally at this point it wasn't more I was really scared at each stage of the pregnancy you know to get past the time when I had the miscarriage but then to get to 12 weeks to get to 16 weeks to 20 you know it's this constant like hurdle race and were you allowing yourself you know your book's called dare to dream were you yeah. allowing yourself to dream at that point I think when we were talking about the first miscarriage and the grief I have never let myself enjoy the pregnancy like I did that very first time yeah. with Lola or Kit because you know you just don't know until they're here in your arms but then you're into a whole other realm of <laughs> of stuff so we'll talk um, about that later yeah. <laughs> so I guess really for Harry and I and actually when I think about it when Lola was born the emotion that came out of Harry was just I've never seen him react in such a way. Do you know that's because he was like energetically holding yeah, his breath. For totally. Months. 
and before. Years, yes, years, of course. I think he had been so protecting me and... Oh, because because I think he knew that that was... You know, he, he was a bit younger than me. A lot of his friends, they weren't even married. So he was at a slightly different time in his life, whereas a lot of my friends were having families and... So he was always able to kind of maintain a sort of calmness and it will happen kind of attitude. And I think he was holding it together for me. Yeah. And had to watch me, you know, going through fertility issues. I lost loads of confidence. It was such a miserable time for me, especially in the earlier stages before I kind of turned it around. Yeah, I want to talk to you about this quite quite a lot. Yeah, we'll talk about that shortly. So, yeah, so when Lola was born, Harry just let it all (laughs) go. He was just a mess. And was Harry on board with the decision? Because we were talking about your decision to Mm. share when you'd announced the pregnancy, your struggle. Was Harry on board with that as well? Obviously he was because you did it, but was he on board straight away with being that honest? Yeah, I mean, I just said, look, I feel I have a responsibility to tell the truth and to say what's happened because nobody else seems to be saying Mm. that they're having difficulties. You know, I remember thinking I'm 30 and being embarrassed to go to a fertility clinic because I thought that people would think that I was too young to be there and that people that had IVF were, you know, 40. 40, All this sort of But you just don't know. Yeah, and so all of that, all of the reason I wanted to talk about it was... And also, I'm not somebody really to shy away I was proud that we had had IVF and I wanted to I think it would have been so wrong not to have been absolutely truthful about what we've been through and it was as a result of that that people started to write to I was going to say what was the response yeah I mean not only people on social media but friends and family you know who were now opening up and saying what they had been through it almost gave people permission to talk about it. And, you know, I understand because the amount of times, you know, I'd be somewhere and someone would say, how are you? And inside you're like, well, actually, I'm actually going through one of the hardest things. We're trying for a family and it's, you know... But it never feels like an appropriate time to yeah, say Yeah, I it. really relate to this because obviously we're last year and I was actually really honest and open and told people, but a few times people definitely didn't know what to say to yeah. me. And I was there, I'd be like, how are you? They'd say, like, Mother Khan's doing really well. And I'm like... Yeah, but actually what you don't see on Instagram is that I've miscarried yeah. two babies. And I think sometimes I feel really, like you, I want to say what's really going on with me, mm. if it's appropriate. But I think I've noticed people find it really hard to know what to say because it's just not in our... No. We're just new to this sort of, I guess, being way more honest yeah. than we ever have been about loads of things in society and, and, you know, conception and fertility being one of those. Did you notice that people didn't know how to start the conversation with you? Or... Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I relate that to literally going back to when I was 12 and my oldest brother, which I've spoken about, had a serious mm. car accident. Rupert was left brain damaged. And I remember going back into school and friends not knowing what to say. And I remember feeling really uncomfortable because I felt different because, you know... Your family had been through this huge trauma. This huge trauma. But maybe it's something now that with education and we need to be perhaps taught a little bit more about emotional questions 
like that because I think I don't know about you but my parents very much were brought up from a generation stiff upper lip you absolutely yeah well they were off the back of the Victorian style of parenting which was exactly to show emotion is weak you know children's emotions need to be shut down was the lexicon and you know our parents generation would have been the first where the research and evidence was just starting to come out that that maybe wasn't the best way to go but it was very new exactly so I think again you know when you're talking to somebody about miscarriage or if they're having fertility struggles I always say you know to just turn around and say I don't know what to say but I'm here to listen that's such a nice phrase yeah I'm here for you yeah because we don't always know what to say and sometimes I think we feel we need to say something and fill the gap and fill the silence but I don't know about you but my greatest friends are the ones I can sit in silence with yeah and not say anything and it's not awkward and it's not uncomfortable yeah totally (laughs) Totally. And family, my friend, are often like, because she's got two little ones, so she's like, we just enjoy some silence. Just to have a cup of tea <laughs> yeah. in silence. I'm in, all in each up for that. Company. I'm all up for that. Yeah. Totally. There's so much reverence in silence, mm. actually, as well. What I wanted to ask you about was the journey that you went on. Yeah. So you talk so beautifully in the book about losing yourself mm. through this and then finding yourself again and you say actually a stronger version of you than you ever had before Mm. and I think that's such a hopeful message and it's relevant to just not what you went through fertility but I think actually that idea of these challenges forcing us to look at everything you talked about it almost like a brand new you Mm. can be applied to so many challenges that mums listening will be going through so could you talk to that a bit yeah and actually I think to myself now being a mum if I could be kind to myself the way I was when I made the decision to be kinder to myself when trying for a family you know the thing well, that's another kind mission yeah, that's right exactly. our message <laughs> so you know I the biggest lesson that I learned was to say no to say no to things because I'm terrible at saying no like just like my mum she can't say no and then complains about why she said yes I think that a lots of people yeah. relate to that <laughs> And to really be selfish, and it became about Project Me and Project Baby, and that was what was most important. And Protecting what, your energy. Yeah. You know, there are people that just sometimes are just not quite the right person to be around at that moment, you know. There's always the radiators and drains, aren't there? Yeah. You know, around you. Or somebody might need something from you, And as a friend, you want to give it, but actually you're so exhausted and depleted yourself that it's difficult to then give that. And I think that was a really important lesson that I just had to put everything to one side and focus on what I needed to do to get me through IVF, basically. Mm -hmm. But prior to IVF, I did like a six-month kind of detox of everything from nutrition to looking at my obviously mentally so doing lots of yoga being around nature um you got into mindfulness didn't you? yeah very much into mindfulness as I mentioned earlier about the anxiety mindfulness has been the thread that has kind of kept me going through any crisis or any change mm. and sometimes I forget that it's there and that I can actually use what it. What does your practice look like? How um, do you use mindfulness? So the to... big thing for me, like that kind of, you know how sometimes you have those light bulb moments that might be very obvious to people, but for me it really wasn't. And it was that realisation of 
how I lack ability to just be present Mm. and you know especially in like extreme sort of anxiety periods that I've gone through I'm always projecting fear what ifs what if that happens that's what anxiety is isn't it that's what it does to your mind but I remember being scared because people would talk about panic attacks but I never felt it was a panic attack I didn't have that kind of symptom it was just this underlying constant feeling and it would make me feel physically unwell but constantly physically unwell mm. and so I read a book by John Kabat-Zinn yeah master of yeah of, well coined the phrase mindfulness obviously didn't come up with the concept but yes. coined the phrase yeah exactly him and his wife have got an amazing book for parents yeah you read it well I'm in the process of stocking up on all my mindfulness research because I find it so fascinating and you know, especially now as well, being a mum, but also with children. You know, I think the biggest key for me when you talk about what does my mindfulness practice look like, it is getting myself back to the moment that I'm in right now. And right now, I'm safe, all is well, and I have to trust that moment. Well, it's all that's real. Yes. That's what I, you know, because I teach a bit of mindfulness to my coaching clients mm-hmm. and I often say that you know let's come back to reality because all that's real is that you and I are sat in yeah. this room together everything else is either gone or it's a projection and we have no idea what's gonna yeah. happen and I think and it's people... so hard to do that because our minds are actually wired to do the opposite oh, yeah. and sometimes the present moment is not that exciting like this is obviously really exciting yeah. we're, we're quite present I feel like we're both quite present yeah but if we're like playing with the kids you know, that's when I really notice my mind goes. Yeah. I'm sat with Jesse, like building Lego for the 90th time. Yeah. I find my mind projecting something yeah. normally bad yeah. <laughs> into the future. Yeah. And because we're so good at teaching ourselves that pattern, that it becomes a normal pattern. Hmm. And it's learning to stop it before you go along with the story that you're creating. Yeah, catching it. But I think, you know, mindfulness is one of those words. It's thrown about a lot. It's, you know, kind of fashionable. I think it should be called awarefulness. I had someone on the podcast who said that. I was like, that's such... It's like, mindfulness for me is about not over-identifying with my mind. Mm. And so the name, I don't know, I've always thought it's really interesting. It is. It's called that. And there's, I think, so many different layers to it. But it's certainly not sitting in a room trying to meditate and stop your mind from thinking and I think people often think oh, I couldn't do that I couldn't sit for 10 minutes and not think of anything well you're never going to not think of anything because our minds are trained yeah, no one can yeah, do that exactly yeah. maybe the Dalai Lama yeah <laughs> I'm sure some people can <laughs> yeah but it is the thing that I've always gone back to and so yeah. when you talked about this idea of really losing yourself, can oh. you describe a bit what that felt like? Because I oh. suspect there will be mums, I know there are because I get messages every day, who feel like that, that through something that's happened, mm-hmm. maybe through traumatic birth or fertility or, you know, something in life or just the struggles of motherhood, yeah. they've lost themselves. And I think it would be helpful to hear you describe how that felt and some of the, you know, we talked about mindfulness, talked about nutrition, but then how it felt on the other side of that. I mean, when it came to fertility, it was confidence that I lost in myself. Were you a confident person before? I mean, you know, like I have a performing background. Mm. I'm a violinist. You know, I'd go out on stage and perform in front of how many people and meet all sorts of different people all around the world. You know, when I was touring with the band I was in 
a scala, which just feels like a lifetime ago. You know, so I suppose in order to do that, you've got to have mm. a certain element of confidence. I'm quite content within my own company and a big night out is not really my idea. I, I think, was it, you know, this whole JOMO, you know, joy of missing out, that's totally me. Yeah, me too, yeah. <laughs> it didn't yeah. used to be, but it um, is now. But I think I've always been a bit like that. But that feeling of losing yourself, I think one of the hardest things and, and how I could relate that to motherhood is it is the impact that what is going on around you has on your relationships. So whether that's with your husband, whether that's with your friends, family, you know, suddenly your main focus is on your children. And like when you're going through fertility, your main focus is on trying to get pregnant. So you you lose a sense of perspective. You're so focused on the routine of that moment with your child and that day and that moment that you lose, I think, sense of perspective. Mm. And actually one of the things, because I'm exploring now doing about a lot more mindfulness for mums and children and everything else, and something I was taught, which actually I found really helpful, and it really related to when I was potty training Lola and I thought I was actually going mad. It was just one of those <laughs> times where I was... Because I was like, right, I'm not going to leave the house. And, you know, you wait all day and then they pee and then it's done and they pee in the wrong place and you've got to wait for another, you know, whatever it is for them to go again. But it's this whole concept of, like, you know, if you look at your phone and you, you zoom in and out with your finger, mm. looking at the bigger picture, you know, there you are sat in your house and you forget that there's this whole life and this whole... Everything's going on around you but your perspective is so on this one moment and it's so important at that time. And actually, I think I lose sense of perspective. I think loads of mums do and loads of yeah. mums will relate to that. And I think it's just such an interesting balance, isn't it, between how we were talking about being present with the moment. Yeah. Because what I think is lovely about mindfulness is this idea that every moment will bring something different. Mm. And I think... I've noticed that where I've struggled most in my parenting so far is when I've forgotten that. Mm. When I feel like because she's in my bed, she's always going to be in my bed or because she's having tantrums, she's always going to have tantrums. And actually, yeah. I think when I remember this digital past, like nothing is permanent. Mm. And that's such a cornerstone of mindfulness, isn't it? That yeah. there's no permanence to anything or any feeling even yeah. comes and goes and things come and go and that's what I found has really helped with mindfulness yeah it's so just true. remembering that like she's having a tantrum in this moment mm. but in an hour we're all gonna feel it really Diff helps me to not over identify with it and yeah. and children let go and forgive very quickly they, I always say that people are like how do I need to learn mindfulness as a mum I'm like just watch your watch children your child. that's do it. it and that's the thing is that you think how do we change so much that we lose that sense of our childhood within us you know that inner child yeah and actually they are they're your greatest teacher and that's you know where mindfulness with children so lovely because where as an adult you might go I'm not going to stop and stare at that flower or <laughs> you know whatever it might be but with a child they're discovering it for the first time I remember when Lola saw a rainbow for the first time oh so cute you know and it was just like, yeah, this is amazing. The world's amazing. And, and they're letting us see it all again yeah. for the first time if yeah. we allow ourselves to notice everything again. Yeah. So learning that practice through your fertility challenges. And what else did you do to find Izzy again? Because you talk about finding this brand new you and I was so interested. In yeah, I think a lot of it was when it came to fertility, there was an acceptance that 
we were not going to be the couple that were going to fall pregnant quickly and that this was going to take time. Did you need to grieve that story and Um, let go of that or did that feel quite easy to let go of? I think it was just more suddenly, you know, sometimes you just have those moments where you're just like, okay, right, okay, so... I had that this morning. Really? I was getting Jessie ready for nursery and I I realised that she was going to be four soon and I still wasn't pregnant and I just thought, oh, God, I'm going to be one of those mums that just has a really big age gap, maybe, or maybe I'm just going to be one of those... It was so weird, it just dropped in. Like, I imagine a little bit about what you're talking about now. That's it, it you just... Just dropped in, that realisation. Yeah, and acceptance. Yeah. I think that was a big moment for me. And important to go through because I think I had stopped enjoying this sort of being married to Harry because I was just so obsessed about wanting to start a family that, you know, I lost the fact that we were actually married and happy. There was a moment, wasn't there, you talked about in the book? I've spoken about it so many times because it was such this sort of moment that I'd had, I wasn't pregnant again, Uh, it was another month. And came downstairs and uh, just sort of fell to the floor almost, but more in like just, you know, I couldn't cry, I didn't want to shout, I just was pretty numb. Mm. And, um, you know, Harry just looked at me and just went, worst case scenario, it's you and me. And it was that feeling of you and yes, and you make me so happy. And actually, I'd rather you and me than not have that at all. Mm. Of course. I wanted a family. Of course, we wanted children together, but it was like, yeah, you are enough and I've been neglecting you. And I think the same in motherhood, you know, because you're... Very easily done. I mean, I'm still learning that because... Same. Your focus is on your children and and you just don't have the energy to then invest in another person when you have very little left for yourself and you're putting everything into your children. See, I'm the same, but I'm... (laughs) I think I sort of do me at the top. And I know that sounds quite weird to say, but I know that I have to look after myself first yeah. or else I'm basically yeah. not a great parent. So there's me and then there's Jessie and then there's... If I'm honest, in reality, I give more time and energy to mother kind. And then Guy is like... Like, if I think about what I actually do, my behaviours... Yeah. Like, I will work next to the sofa on him most nights... Yeah. ...and sort of ignore him. Yeah. <laughs> and I had this realisation the other day. I was like, oh, my God, I'm yeah. actually prioritising my business over my marriage. Yeah. I need to change this. this. If someone had asked me, I'd said, no, of course I put my husband, you know, maybe one or two. But yeah. actually, my behaviour is that... Yeah. I'm just not investing enough in my marriage right now. In fact, I've had a few of those kind of moment crisis moments almost because Harry had uh, surgery on his back at the end of last year and I had so not been thinking about it at all and then suddenly I found myself in the hospital bedroom and he was basically having surgery and I was like oh my goodness like before we were married what preparation I would have gone through with all this and I hadn't really thought about it I mean I had but not like yeah I know what, what you could mean. I do yeah. to make him how can you oh and then yeah. I felt so guilty you know so guilty but that is you know motherhood and actually my mum because I was talking to her the other day and I said mum it's the, the guilt this feeling and she was like oh welcome to motherhood it never goes you know, she just kind of said it like that. What do you feel guilty about? Oh, I mean, everything from what food have I given them today? Do you? 
just have I organised what food they're having today or have I planned, have I got everything in the, whatever that might be, right through to World Book Day when you're the one that's forgotten to get an outfit or, you know, through to the bigger stuff of how am I doing as this job as being mm. a mum? How am I handling Lola's new three major stage? And, you know, have I given enough attention to Kit? Lola got much more attention because it was just her. And, and you know, all these constant battles and guilt of, but I want something for myself. And, you know, everything that I'm sure every mum is going through, but it is by far the hardest time I have gone through has been since becoming a mum, even compared to the fertility um, struggles. And I think that's often where, you know, if people might think, but you've gone on to have your family. Mm. But what I learnt in that time through going through the struggles gave me a deeper understanding of myself to then use now. Do you think you're a very different mother now because of the struggles that you went through? I think... What you go through shapes you as a person anyway, doesn't it? And I don't think... You'd already been for a lot if you had that trauma when you were 12 as well. Yeah. I think it's probably more that I... I don't know. It's really hard to know if you're a different person. Well, because you only know who you are now. Yeah, and I think I'd always be cautious and I'd always be probably a little bit neurotic <laughs> and but it sounds like you found some tools like mindfulness and nutrition oh, you know, my, that have really held you 100 percent. and you know for me exercise is really important what I, do you do I like to run and I like you know a good sort of 40 minute session in the gym and I have to do it to clear my head and it is my time and it's a time when you're really present mm-hmm. because you're just thinking about what you're doing and it's just your moment so that and an early night. I'm a massive fan of an early, early night. night. Get the sleep. It's that constant, oh, but I've got this time to myself and I've got all this stuff to do. But for me, if I don't sleep, that is when it all I prioritise sleep wrong. over everything else. I've been quite good at that. And yeah. I've, I've been known to do like a 7.30 yeah. p.m. bedtime. Yeah, I'm all for that. <laughs> all for that. Yeah. And drink lots of water. That's my other thing. That helps me... Um, I don't know, feel a bit more energetic. Well, yeah, that's... Yeah. And lack of water can trigger anxiety as well. Yeah, it is. So yeah. I see loads of mums just not keeping themselves hydrated enough. I mm. mean, it's like an active job, this. Fill up your bottle, your water bottle in the morning, mummy, when you're, when you're doing your children's. Fill one up for you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, if someone is listening to this and they might be going through fertility or Mm. any other challenge actually what would you want them to know from your experience and what you've been through I think it's really important to trust your own instinct on things and that I think relates to fertility struggles you know right through to being a mum and just to really believe in what you truly think how you feel things are best for you you know I wrote about fertility struggles and things I did to help me but that might not be what another person would connect to but I think it's really stopping and asking yourself what it is you need almost to nourish yourself I think that question is so powerful what do I need yeah when I work with clients they have to ask themselves that every day yeah I think we just don't we're not used to 
no. asking it, especially when, as mums, every minute of every day is jam-packed, isn't it? Yeah. Jam. Do you ask yourself that often, that question? No. I'm working on it because I really want to give Lola and Kit the tools that perhaps I didn't have, especially now with mental health being so much more prevalent and the world that we're living in, it's a different place and... I want to give them the tools. So I do a lot of exercises with Lola. Kit's still a little bit little, but I find it helps both of us. Mm, Um, It's so nice to do together, isn't it? What sort of things will you do? In the evening, we always do a... I put my hand on my heart and one hand on her heart and she puts... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we just say, you know, may I be happy, may I be healthy... Mm -hmm. May I be calm? And then I always end with a, may we sleep well? <laughs> Get that in there. So I do that with Lola, but also a deep breath. Like, often we'll go... <sighs> I do that and with Jessie. I've watched yeah, Lola really... now do it in the heat of, like, when she's having a touch. She will do it herself. Jessie the same. Yeah. And apparently she said to someone at nursery the other day who was upset, just take a really deep breath. Oh, and the teacher just didn't know where that had come from. Yeah. But I think intuitively as humans when we pick up on these tools that work Mm. we just know they work and I think that's what it is with her I think she knows she feels better when she just takes a breath so she just does it kids are amazing like I'm really learning stuff with Lola at the moment and I've also understood that actually she does need an explanation so if I'm cross with her for doing something actually she just doesn't understand why it is what she's doing might be not quite right and actually if I sit down and explain to her why I don't want her to take all the wooden blocks out that I've just put away because we're about to leave the house and da 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 then she'll understand and actually to think of it that way and that's been quite a big change for us recently yeah there's just so much to learn on this journey as I keep using that word it's so cheesy but it's so true I know it really it's is. so true. It really the final question is another big question, yeah. <laughs> which is if you could give just one gift to all the mums in the whole world, what would you give them? Well, I was thinking about this when you asked me this question that you ask all your guests, and I was thinking, what would I want to give my mum? You know, what would the gift be for my oh, mum? That's such a nice way of thinking about it. And I think if it was me, I just want to tell my mum that she's done a great job. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's she's, so she's true. Just, isn't it? She's been great. I would say the same to my mum. You know, don't worry, mum, you've done a great job. And isn't it important for us to remind ourselves of that? Yeah. Oh, because yeah. our kids no are going to say thank you to you at our, the end of the day. Our kids are going to say that about us. Yeah. Sure, the kids would say that about most of their mums. Yeah. But I think it's so easy to forget that. Yeah. So everyone listening, just remind yourselves you are doing a great job. Thanks, Thanks Susie. Thank you. So that's it. Thank you for listening to the episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And if you did, please do leave a review on iTunes. It does make a massive difference to the number of mums that we can reach with this content. If you were listening to that episode, thinking about one of your friends that they might benefit from what we were chatting about, then just tag them in on Instagram. My bio will include the link to the podcast so they can find it really easily from there. People often tell me they're desperate to share it with their friends. So if that's you, then please do. I feel like the guests that we have on the podcast, their wisdom just deserves to be heard far and wide. So help me make that happen. I'd be very grateful. 
And also, if you want to send me any comments or thoughts about the episode, then please pop over onto Instagram at motherkind underscore Zoe. And also, just to let you know about my coaching. So I do work one-on-one with mums on my programme which is a three-month program called Reconnect to You. So if you want to work with me on taking your power back in any area of your life, then please do get in touch. Just drop me an email, zoe at motherkind.co or look on the website, www.motherkind.co. That's it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care.